0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's all right to praise Jesus in the house, right? That's what I love about Ray of Hope. Unashamedly, who we pursue? Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Amen. I won't shout at you this morning too awful much. This morning, if you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, we're going to be focusing on one parable: the tax collector and the Pharisee, or it might say, publican. I've got to slow down, Mo. Heart's beating down in my chest, man. I love that first song. I was jamming out to it in the car on the way here this morning. So we just got back from kids' camp. As you find your Bible, we just got back find that place in your Bible. We just got back from kids' camp. It was a great time. It was everything everybody warned me about. (laughs) Yeah, man. They said trying to push through boys through showers, not going to be fun. They were correct. They said the first night you get there, kids won't want to go to sleep. They were absolutely correct about that. Dude, I had all kinds. So the next morning, I woke them up with an air horn. Yeah, it was great, man. It was wonderful. Uh, Not to everybody else, but to me, it was super fun. So, you know. But uh, we didn't have much trouble with them the next uh, night's falling asleep, but they're good kids. I've got this video on my cell phone, and I wrote this thing called The Bullet, and I'll tell another story about uh, the kids' camp. But I wrote this thing called The Bullet, and many of you guys have probably seen it. It's kind of basically looks like it's got a bullet on either end and the shaft in the middle, and you just swing around and around and around. Well, I wrote that a couple times, I thought, I've got an idea. I'm going to videotape it on my cell phone. So me and this kid named Michael Rainey, he's probably, or Rainey, excuse me, he's probably, I think he's a third grader. Anyways, it was cool. He was riding on the bullet with me and got saved later on, so that rocked. But yeah, man, right, uh, he gave his heart to Jesus. What a wonderful thing. Uh, but we're riding a bullet together, and in this cell phone video, it's kind of a, you see him, and this thing takes you with so so much centrifugal force that... Uh, you saw a picture of me up there while I was holding you can only do that so long until your arms get tired and then you're just slamming up against the side walls of this thing and poor Michael weighs like 50 pounds you know and he wants to ride with me and I'm like dude you might die <laughs> I'm just saying man I'm a big guy I don't want to ride with you. All right, man, let's get it. So we got in this dude and climbs out of that steel cage, and you shut it, and that dude spins you around. And, and at first, part of the cell, cell phone video, you only see uh, me because I'm so big. I cover up Michael, dude. Finally, he pokes his head around, you know. And I rem- I thought about that ride and how it reminded me of my week. You know, you're super excited. You're going in there. You know that it's going to be kind of challenging. You know you're going to endure some stuff that you never thought, and that's kind of what the bullet did as it swung me around, you know. And then about 45 seconds into the ride, kind of at camp, about three-quarters of your way, you're like, man, is this dude ever going to end, <laughs> right? All right, you get something, you know, you're sick at your stomach, but you know that you're, you're going to be able to conquer something, right? You're going to uh, be able to lead kids through the um, prayer of salvation and different things like that, but that, that cell phone video uh, reminded me of the week. It kind of was a great great, great uh, cap on the week as I was thinking, man, a minute-long ride, four, four or five days of camp, man, <laughs> similarities there. Uh, Let's go ahead and read, if you would, with me. Luke 18, 9 through 14. And he also told this parable to some of the people who trusted in themselves so that, uh, that their righteousness and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one of the Pharisees and the other, a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay the tithes. I want all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, and even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome. We need you today. Amen. Now, as we dig into this context of this uh, scripture, it's very simple. It's not complex at all. Uh, matter of fact, I wondered about even the delivery on it. But it's okay to be reminded of simple things that have, uh, that, that that's really what our faith is, bound, uh, is, is founded upon, right? Pastor was talking about the pillars and how deep they go in the ground and how our structure is sound because we have a good foundation, which was a great message. And tonight, this is just kind of a, or this morning is just another little piece of that foundation, I hope. But it's a big one. It's understanding that no matter what I do, it's by the grace of Jesus Christ Amen. that all is possible. Amen. I can't be good enough. I can't treat my wife well enough. I can't be kind enough to Callie. I can't reach enough souls. I, that's not what it's founded on. But it's founded on the work of Jesus Christ who hung on the cross thousands of years ago and said one of the two of the greatest or three of the greatest words in history right it is finished and when he saying that and it came out of his mouth he didn't say I've gone 50% of the way you go the rest I've gone 20% of the way you go the rest or all these other days he said it is finished what you're looking for was decided on the cross of Calvary by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ it is finished the power that I need in prayer the healing that I need in my body, the salvation for my friends, the salvation for my family the hope of a future is found because Jesus Christ went to the cross and declared the words, it is finished now that gets me excited I wasn't shouting at you there, it gets me excited so let's study a little bit about Luke here, now Luke was an interesting character he, uh, he was not one of the 12. He was a physician. He was into details. He was very educated, believed in sinking his life and this type of stuff. Luke was written, if you want to turn in your Bibles, I'll read it out loud here. Luke 1, we're going to read a little bit about why. Luke was written. While you turn there, Luke was written in 64 to 67 AD. That's after death, about 64 to 67 years after Christ died. Some people speculate that it may have been written in 68, 69, 70 in that area, but most scholars believe it's kind of in that middle to top end of the 60s there. Luke was not a disciple of Christ, or the immediate 12, he was a disciple. He wrote it to this guy named Theopolis. Same thing with Acts. Let's look what he wrote to Theopolis here. It says, "...inasmuch as I have undertaken to compile an account of these things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well to have investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write write it out in a consecutive order, most excellent Theopolis." So that you may know the exact truth about the things that you've been taught. So Luke was written to Theophilus. Excuse me. I'll probably stumble over that word again. It was written to him. And what he was saying is, I've compiled, I've investigated, I've searched out, I've written, I've gone back and checked. I've talked with eyewitnesses to the best of my knowledge and what I believe this is true. Now Luke would not have walked with Christ, but he would have walked with Paul. Okay, if you look in chapters, in Acts 16, chapter 16, chapter 20, 21, 27, and 28, these are all instances where uh, the uh, Acts uses the word us, or we belong, something like that. And and since uh, uh, Luke wrote the uh, Acts, that's what he was talking about, is he was with Paul. Okay, interesting story on the island of Malta, probably one of my favorite ones, right? They're begging these guys, let's not go on the ships, but... uh, they know they have to go. Paul is begging these guys, "Let's not go on the ships." They hit a storm. They throw down anchor. They throw everything off the board, off off board. Wind up getting uh, stranded out in the middle of the sea. They have to swim to shore to this little island of Malta. And what caught me funny was I didn't realize, you know, so so many times we focus right on Paul, but Luke was with Paul. You know, sometimes you can get caught up in a storm because you're walking with somebody. Right? Sometimes it's not because of what you did. Sometimes it's not because your friend's a sinner. Sometimes you're honestly walking with the friend, carrying out the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and things turn south. But it's in those instances where God really reveals himself. Oh, man, and salvation is just right around the corner for some folk. But the devil's going to do everything he can. Think about it. On the island of Malta, shipwrecked. They have to swim ashore. All those people go up there. Paul is bit by a viper. People see that. Bring him to the uh, chief because he's sick. Pray for him. The entire village gets saved, right? That's pretty significant. But Paul was a part of all of that. Or excuse me, Luke was a part of all that. So he knew, uh, he had walked with him enough that he knew some things were going on. In chapter 18, the story that we just read is kind of sandwiched in between uh, the parable of the persistent widow after that, we have our story. Then the next story is Jesus blesses the children, the rich young ruler. With God, all things are possible. A blind man predicts the death and resurrection. Or excuse me, a bo- <laughs> it tells a story about uh, Jesus predicting his death and resurrection. It talks about a blind man receiving his side. And if you look at all of those in there, basically this story is sandwiched in between the impossible and the unbelievable. That's really what it's all about. The first story with the persistent widow, the the tagline is simple in there. She goes before a judge who is not righteous, and and, and Jesus makes this comment. "If, if, If this woman can go before an unrighteous judge, how much more will your father who's in heaven answer you because you are considered righteous through him? But keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. So there has to be some effort there. Jesus blesses the children... All the disciples kind of wanted to push them away and act like that. And God was like, no, man. Jesus was like, these are the ones that you have to have faith like these guys. Why? Because sometimes we want to rationalize our faith. Dude, have we read the Bible? There's some pretty crazy stuff in there that we believe. Just bite it off and eat it all, man. Right? That's what we got to do. I mean, there's some pretty crazy stuff in there. But sometimes we want to rationalize it between stories. And that's not what God said. God said to take it, eat it. And let's move on with with it, right? That's what we have to do. The rich young ruler, once again another man who was justified by what he did. I paid tithe, I've done this, I've done that. And Jesus looks at him and says, last thing, go sell everything you own and follow me. And he said he left with a sad heart. Why? Because it was righteousness through his works. Not because he's passionately in love with this man named Jesus. Forsaking it all, right? With God all things are possible. God's reminding us what seems impossible is possible. Of course, the death and resurrection, right? That's going to be kind of hard to understand. Interesting here, he's telling us the disciples, and at the end of that story it says that his disciples are like, we still don't get it. The very next story is about a blind man who's sitting out the, the city of uh, by some gates in the city. And the blind man says this, the guy who can't see and doesn't know that's Jesus, he says, son of David or Jesus. Isn't it interesting how you don't have to see to know? Here are the disciples. I think that's the point that Christ is trying to make. Here are the disciples that's following him around, seen the miracles, seen stuff, man, right? Then here's this blind man that can't see, and he knows that's the Son of God. Have mercy on me. Of course, Jesus heals him, right? You don't always have to see to know. You don't always have to understand to decide I'm going to do it. So many times we try to rationalize that. Well, I don't completely understand the word. If you're not saved in the house, we hope at the end of of this uh, sermon you will be. It's the greatest move that any of us has ever made. Amen? Amen. But sometimes we tend to think, well, we're not good enough or we don't know enough about the Bible. We tend to try to do all that. And that is not what God said. God said, bring yourself and let me do the rest. Let him do the rest. The book was written in Greek. Many people at the time spoke Aramaic. So let's talk. Uh, concentrate on the tax collectors. The tax collectors were hated, strongly disliked. One of the main reasons why is because they were considered traitors. A lot of times they were of Jewish descent, hired by the Roman government, and they were taxing their own people. So people in the Jewish community didn't really like him. So you can imagine this Pharisee, whenever he prays, "I'm glad that I'm not like other men," and he looks at the tax collector and he says, "him." There's probably some animosity, right? Probably. Have you ever had a fight with your spouse? Is everything, yeah, everything's okay. That means, I've come to find out since I've been married, that means not everything's okay. (laughs) Yeah. When I was young, I was like, all right, good, let's go. Now that I've, you know, no, that we need to talk, and I don't know necessarily how to deal with all that either. But, you know, you learn. You learn, man. You learn, okay? But the tax collector, you know, so there could have been some animosity. Now, interesting, the Pharisee here, many people we look at as the negative connotation, which it should be, because Christ used it many times, but it also meant somebody who was morally upright. According to the law, many times these Pharisees were exactly where they needed to be. And that's what Christ was trying to get them to understand, that, yeah, you believe through the law, but now it's about me and about your belief in me. It's not about being just by the law. So these two men go into a place to worship. Now, back in this day, whenever uh, this was going on, there were two different ways to say, I'm going to the, uh, the, uh, to the church in prayer. Okay, it could mean two different things. The first thing that could mean is the church doors are open, nobody's in there, I'm going to slide in, sit in the back somewhere, and just pray to God. It also could mean that I'm going to a worship religious service like we have here today, where people would come in, and, and they would do their worship unto God, and then they would leave. But we know that it's much more, it's really like a worship service like this. And the way that we know that is we can gain knowledge through the prayer of the Pharisee. What does he do? He starts pointing out people, right? So it lets us know that there's more than one person there, okay? The actions of the tax collector, he's at the back. So maybe he showed up late. Maybe he doesn't feel like he can come down to the front. But he's at the back with his face pointed towards the ground. They both arrive at the same time and they both leave at the same time. You can understand the the different physical positions of the people, of the men. Pharisee's up. Tax collectors back. And then we understand the, the, uh, the prayer of the tax collector. Okay, the prayer of the tax collector says this Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Okay, so what he actually said was, Halasta toy moy, is what he said. He said, Lord, be propitious. And what he meant by that is, Lord, show favor. the toy moy is actually what he prayed. Now, Whenever they would come into a religious service like this, they would come in, they would read scripture, they would sing songs or hymns. The sacrifice at the front would be made, and then the, pre, the high priest would slip to the back and burn, uh, burn incense. Now we know this from Luke 1.10. Luke 1.10 says this, a whole multitude of people were outside of the offering, offering prayers as Zacharias went back and offered the incense burning. So at the point that Zacharias, which was considered a high priest in the Bible, he went back to offer incense. There was a whole multitude of praying. So what happened is they came in here, they sang their song, they read their scripture, the sacrifice was made at the front. And then after sacrifice was made, as the high priest slips into the back, that's that's whenever these, uh, uh, these prayers would begin to be offered up. And the righteous... Let's look, at the peer, uh, look, let's look at the prayer real quick of the righteous man, the, the Pharisee who, who was self-righteous. He says, I thank you that I am not like other men. So he's, he's, he's putting a dose of humility in here for us, right? God, you did a great job, man. But it was you who created this. And I really appreciate that. Okay? thank So props, God. Okay? That's what he starts out, okay? I thank you that I'm not like other men, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, the tax collector, right? Loved guys. I fast twice a week, and I even pay my tithes. Oh yeah, God, in case you're wondering, I slip a little bit of extra into the plate as well. So God, it's your creation speaking back to you saying thank you. So he's pretty self-righteous, right? Right? But we got to be careful here because sometimes people may interpret Christianity as arrogant. Because I tell people that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now I've got to make sure that I do that through the context of Jesus Christ or people don't know how to take it. Think about it. Jesus was so excited when I got saved that he threw a party. That's what the Bible says. Okay? God is so waiting my arrival in heaven that when I get there, it's going to be a huge feast. And oh yeah, he even thinks I'm his bride, dude. Ooh, that sounds pretty arrogant when you're talking about people who don't really necessarily know Christianity, right? That's kind of where this this Pharisee was. He was saying all the things that he wasn't. So we've got to be careful as we begin to tell people about this glorious gospel. That it's through the eyes of Jesus that all men will will come to him if he be lifted up. He prays a long prayer, starts pointing people out, right? Starts talking about all the stuff that he hasn't done and has done because it's this self-righteousness. Now, I'm going to be on board with this. Sometimes in my prayer life, I get really self-righteous. Don't shout me down here, okay? I know you guys may not, but I do. God, I've, I've honored my wife. I've, I've loved her like I was supposed to this week. I've, 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 I've tried to love Callie the best that I can. I've shielded my eyes from stuff on the internet and TV. And don't forget about the commercials, right? They need to start having ratings on commercials like R. and Most of them are R, you know. But they need, you know, I've shielded myself from all of that. God, I expect you. Or I, I'm glad that I get to, you get to listen to me and hear me now and answer me because of all the stuff that I've done. And I'm missing the point. Maybe my first line when I go into prayer is, it's because of your son, Jesus Christ, that I even get to stand in your presence. That's why I'm here. moy. God, be propitious. Be favorable. The prayer of the tax collector was, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. The sacrifice is made. The high priest slips in the back. He's here beating his chest on the floor saying, God, be favorable. Let this sacrifice be enough. He understood that it was not by what he could do. It was about the sacrifice. And in today in our world, it's about that sacrifice of Jesus Christ, about what he did. That's the reason why I have access to prayer. That's the reason why I have access to healing. That's the reason why I have access to joy. That's the reason why I don't have to walk around with darkness and different things in my life. It's because the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Be favorable to me, Jesus. I've got to have your favor. It was unusual. You could tell that this man at the floor, he didn't care. He was beating his chest. In the Middle East, and most recently, whenever men are in that deep uh, 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 emotional state, they shoot guns up into air here recently. But what they used to do is is they would rip their clothes, or they would shave their beard, or they would shave their head. Beating the chest was a thing that a woman did. But he was in such a deep state, he did not care. He understood that I have to have the sacrifice. That to be in a favorable place with Christ, it's the sacrifice, it's not me it's the sacrifice let me put it to you this way if I get in a fight with my wife there's usually two ways to kind of navigate this okay? that I, t- I tend to do okay? both of them are not necessarily right <laughs> okay. but my wife knows if I come home, she comes home and I've got a broom in my hand or maybe supper's already cooked or something like that something might be wrong <laughs> come on guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? well how are you vacuum cleaning? well we need to have a talk okay? All right, but I try to earn her love back. I try to earn the rightness with my wife back, right? I try to do it through maybe cleaning the clothes or washing the dishes or or mowing the yard or whatever it might be. As opposed to going to her and saying, honey, I messed up. That's the way that I need to do it. But we live in a culture that's so much exchange, right? You give me this, I give you that. We have a hard time understanding that the favor of God, was we have access through this Jesus Christ. That it's, it's not through what I do, there's self-righteousness. Think about what God said about the man who prayed. He's gone home justified. That is a powerful statement. He has gone home justified. Sometimes pride get in our way, gets in our way, Right? Yeah, when I was at youth camp or uh, children's camp this last week, pride got in my way big time. So what happened was, is I rode the bullet, which slings you around. Then I rode the tilt-a-whirl. Then I rode the bullet. Then I rode the tilt-a-whirl. Yeah, super stupid. I know, bad idea. Now, trust me. Only took me one go around of that. So I'm 35, and up to this point in my life, I've never had to have motion sickness until, or I never had to have motion medicine sickness, whatever it is called, until about six days ago, right? So I'm in there, and I ride the bullet, and I ride the tilt, I ride the tilt-a-whirl, the bullet, and I think I ride the bullet again. I go back on the tilt-a-whirl, and I'm thinking as I'm walking up to. tilt the world I really don't need to be on this sucker but my kids can't see me wimp out man right yeah so I climb on the tilt the world man and around and around we go and about halfway into the right I'm thinking I need to raise my hand and tell this dude to stop man I'm sick but guess what happens no, I can't, can't can't, do that, man. I got, I got these boys looking at me, <laughs> right? My pride kind of swells up, so I, I stay through the whole journey. And literally, about the time I was about, I'm done, the dude stops the ride, man. I get off the ride and go set up underneath their awning, and I'm just sick to my stomach. I'm pulling money out for snow cones, and I really don't even know what I'm doing, man. I just feel really bad, super sick. And finally, I break down, and, and I, I, Cheryl's there, and I say, Cheryl, what kind of medicine do you have, dude? I need, I need some kind of medicine medicine. And, and 45 minutes later, I was good. But man, my pride got, me in, got in the way and I stopped uh, and I got sick from that, right? Well, that's kind of the way that these Pharisees were. Their pride was in the way a lot of times. How many times do we read in the Bible where a Pharisee wanted to change, but what kept it? His status. The way that people looked at him. But Jesus says that sinner that came down here, he's the one that goes home justified. He's the one that goes home right with Christ today. Understanding Christ's love is, another story would be, if I offend somebody in the audience from the platform, and I really do a good job of making them mad and embarrass them in front of everybody, then after service, I go up and I slap them on the back and I say, ha ha, sorry about that, just kidding. Yeah, right? How is most people going to receive that? Let's be real here. Yeah, yeah, I might forgive you for a split second, but I can promise you, there's going to be some anxiety and some animosity in me, Right? But if I embarrass somebody and about the time it comes out of my mouth, I realize it, my lip starts quivering, I crawl on my hands and knees, grab them by the ankles and plead, 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 right? Then most people will be like, whoa, get off of me. Okay, that's embarrassing. I'll take it. It's good. You did wrong, right? Well, the love of Christ is much different than both of those stories. The love of Christ is I insult somebody in the audience, and before I know I've done it, they're up out of their pew embracing me with tears running down their face, telling me how much they love me and they forgive me. Let's read, about, let's read in Romans here Romans 5, 6 through 11. Maybe this paints a little bit better picture. For while we were yet still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For when we knew that we had not sinned, right? I didn't even know I offended anybody. He's the one that emerged and wrapped me in his love. For no one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having been justified by his blood, we have saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also are exalted in God through Lord Jesus Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive reconciliation. So the true reconciliation message is I didn't even know I sinned. I didn't even know I offended. I didn't even know I was wrong. But while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. We are so thankful you joined us today.